right, welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. I'm your host, Carter Bond. With me, as always, is Connor Sparrow. We're back. We're back to talk about the NBA. We haven't done a post-trade deadline pod. You know, we're not going to go through every single trade like every other podcast and everything you've listened to. Not going to go through. We're just going to hit the big storylines, go through, and then we're also going to talk some college basketball at the end. I have one of my favorite futures in college basketball of all time. I'm so excited to spew out my futures in college (laughs) basketball. But we'll do that at the end. Let's start off right, right away. First off, how are you? Doing good, man. Uh, excited for the NBA to come back. Been watching some basketball. You know, with the Super Bowl being over, some of us uh, raked in some serious profit from the, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's going to be good to blow it all in March Madness. So I'm excited for that. Even though my beloved Heels might not be there, but uh, still excited. Yeah, we'll talk college basketball at the end. But uh, let's start this off. Kevin Durant's a Phoenix Sun. They, they I think it came out at like 2 a.m. Eastern, like midnight Mountain yep. Time, whatever. Uh, the trade is the Suns get Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, which great piece, great piece to yeah. get in this trade. TJ Warren, Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant has to load manage in April, uh, the Nets get Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, some other dude I'm not even going to try to pronounce, uh, a 2023 first, a 2023 fir- or 2025 first, 2027 first, a 2028 pick swap. 2028 second, 2029 first, a 2029 second. And then the Bucks get Jay Crowder, Panther, not Panthers, Pacers <laughs> receive George Hill, Serge Ibaka, Jordan Ora, three future second round picks and some cash. Uh, first off, the Pacers end, that's the most Pacers trade I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, getting back George <laughs> Hill and Serge Ibaka for, like, okay, I get it. If you're like six, six in the conference, you're making a little playoff push and you want some veteran presence. What are they getting those players for? To finish 12th? Yeah. I don't know about no. that part. Um, the Suns have Kevin Durant. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. even know. Where, I'll just let you go off of that. Suns have Kevin Durant. This is crazy. Yeah, this is uh, – I woke up to this news the next morning. This is something I expected to happen maybe over the summer. I didn't know if it necessarily would be the Suns. I know he was linked to the Suns the first time he requested a trade this past summer. This is not something I thought would get done before the deadline because – the Kyrie news kind of came out pretty quickly as the deadline was approaching. He got moved a few days before the Thursday. And I didn't think there was enough time to find a reasonable deal for Kevin Durant. Because I was like, there's no way the Nets are going to find a suitor for Kevin Durant and get back all what they want within, what, three days, I think, since Kyrie got traded? I was shocked. But from a Nets perspective, two things here. From a Nets perspective, they got a pretty decent haul back. It was at four first-round picks, a couple swaps. Mikael Bridges, who is going to be a really nice player, and Cam Johnson, who's going to be a really nice player for a long time. But if you're the Suns, you had to go for it. New owner, Matt Ishbia, you have to swing for it because Chris Paul's, what, 36? He's only got a couple years left. DeAndre Ayton was clearly unhappy. You know, the whole signing with the Pacers, bringing him back. There was some little ruffling of the feathers there. You had to go for it because this is what they need to do. Take a swing right now while they still have Chris Paul playing at a pretty decent level. He's not what he was. But this is the time. They have a two- to three-year window right now to go for it. And if I'm them, I'm taking that swing too. I know Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson were great pieces, but it's Kevin Durant. There's times when he's the best player in the league. It's Kevin Durant. That's all you have to say. You have to go for it if you're Phoenix. There's no yeah. ifs, ands, or buts. But I will say this. Now that the Suns have landed Kevin Durant and going into this playoffs, if he's healthy, there are zero excuses for Chris Paul now. There are zero excuses. If he can't win one in Phoenix now with Kevin yeah. Durant, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, there are no excuses for Chris Paul. I completely agree. This is his best chance to get a ring. And like I said, there's maybe a two-year window. I would say maybe even just a two-year window for Chris Paul. I don't. Because it, he's, might, he's, it, he's it, might only, it might only be one. I mean, he has fallen off hard. 
Yeah, he is, but he's getting older. He's getting up there. What can you say? I mean, he's always going to be able to pass the ball like that, but you can't ask him to go out there and play 33, 34 minutes a night. Probably after next year. I mean, seriously. But this is what they had to do, Carter. So I think Durant's healthy. If they all stay healthy, they have to be the favorites. Now, we haven't seen them play a game together yet, and they only have 20 games to get it together. But Durant is one of those superstars that you saw it with Golden State. He can just slide right in. He doesn't have to have like a commanding presence immediately. He'll get what you need him to do done. He'll he'll get the ball, you know, run the sets. He won't be it won't take away from what the other guys do. And I don't think there's many superstars you can say that about. Yeah, and also kind of going off the trade package of it all. This just makes the Grudy Go Bear trade just it every blockbuster trade for the rest of time, we're just gonna look back and be like, Oh, well, imagine doing that Rudy Gobert trade. Like the Timberwolves were pretending like they were gonna go for it and they went yeah. after Rudy Gobert. The Phoenix Suns, like, I respect it. Like new ownership comes in, you every yeah. single time new ownership comes in, we know that they're gonna make some big splash. They want their name in the headlines immediately. They wanna yeah. they wanna be involved in the action. And credit to the Suns, like, yeah, they're mortgaging their future a little bit, but worth it. I mean, this this gives you an, the absolute best chance to win a title in a wide-open Western Conference. You've got some awesome pieces, and, I mean, they, they should easily be the favorite. There shouldn't be anybody even close to them. They have Kevin freaking Durant. I would uh, I would argue, so they gave away all those picks, yes. I would argue it wasn't necessarily mortgaging their future. Let's say they win this year or win next year or they consistently make the finals for the next couple of years. You're setting up that winning culture. Devin Booker's still really young. DeAndre Ayton's still really young. You're telling me people won't want to come play in Phoenix? Like, yeah, I know Durant's getting older. Chris Paul will probably be gone. But people will want to come play with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, especially if, they, if they've won a championship or two. Yes, but let's say they don't. Let's say they, you know, they meet the Celtics in the finals, Celtics beat well, them in the finals, and then they flame out the following year. Then it gets really bad because then, yeah. like, yeah, teams are going to want Devin Booker, and then you're going to end up having to trade Devin Booker, kind of being in the same scenario the Nets were in, where you're like, okay, this thing's rode its ship. We got to send him off. Yeah. We got to recoup some of these picks so we can prepare for the next 10 years. The thing with Devin Booker is, I don't want to speak too soon because superstar situations are so volatile. It doesn't seem like he'll leave Phoenix, at least anytime soon. It seems like he loves it there. But you're you right. Never know. The thing is, uh, we'll lose, the thi- I mean, losing will do crazy things he went through those first few years though so he can maybe go through anything but uh nobody's gonna fault the the Suns for taking a swing like this I don't think anybody can fault them and they have to be the odds on favorite I mean if I was if I was going to my head taking a finals pick right now I think I might have to take them just because I've seen Durant slide into a system like this where stars already were and just make it that much better and the crazy thing is I'll say this too I don't think Chris Paul being healthy should 100% matter as much. I think that core of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant alone in the playoffs, when you have those two guys who can go out and get a bucket, you say you give them the ball and they can get a bucket. No matter who's guarding them, no matter what the situation is in the game, they can get a bucket. That matters a lot more. Chris Paul, yeah, you need a good point guard. I know that's going to be the detriment to them if he's unhealthy, but I still think they can win it even if Chris Paul's not 100%. And here's the thing. In the playoffs – you don't think if they play the Mavs that Luka's going to hunt Chris Paul in every pick and roll, every ball screen, every switch? Chris Paul does not have the lateral quickness he used to have. You don't think he's going to get hunted every single possession in, in, a, in a Western Conference final series in game four? Like once they figure it out, they're like, oh man, Chris Paul really can't keep up with this guy. Then what? You know, they might have to take him out for long stretches of time. You never know. But yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, if you're a Phoenix fan, how awesome is this? Oh, 
This is what yeah, you dream you're, of. You're like, thrilled. You're thrilled. Well, I guarantee if I was a Phoenix fan after they lost that finals to the Bucks, being up 2 nothing, I would have thought that was it. I was like, oh, the window's closed. That's all. And that's the thing. They had to do this because let's say they don't do this. They had no chance of winning the finals this year with the roster they had without Kevin Durant. Let's, like, that's just how it was. Like We know the West is wide open. You would take six other teams probably to w- make it to the finals over the Suns. Like Even yeah. this cr- awful ailing Warriors team, this dysfunctional Warriors season, you would almost put them on par with the Suns right now, even though their record's a little better. But yeah. once it comes playoff time, you never know. Yeah. yeah would you take the Timberwolves over the Suns with Rudy Gobert, superstar? I, 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 we were talking about it before the podcast. I like Mike Conley. I like that trade. Yeah. Um, let me, let me say real quick. What? Yeah. So we talked about the Durant trade and we mentioned the Gobert trade. I'm glad that teams didn't take the Gobert trade as like par for the course. I'm glad because then it would have made it would have made a Kevin Durant trade impossible. It would have made trades for players higher caliber higher caliber than Rudy Gobert impossible because teams would have wanted seven first round picks, two swaps, and three guys under 25. Thank God they didn't take the Gobert trade. It's like, oh, this is how it's going to be now. This is the bar. It, it seems like a one-off, like, worst trade in NBA history type of deal. Thank God. Because we would have never seen a Durant trade. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the Durant trade? I'm just excited to see when he when he comes back. I'm just excited to see them play together. Because you'll know. I feel like you'll know. I think he'll seamlessly slide in. I really uh, do. But we'll see. I think Kevin Durant can seamlessly slide into any situation and be great in the NBA. Like him more so than any other player other than maybe when LeBron James a couple years ago. Not LeBron James now. Even then, I still think Durant, even then, because LeBron demands the ball at all times. Yeah, but LeBron single-handedly can just take you to a finals. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, that's just what it was. Not my goat, though. Not my goat. Uh, Moving on real quick, uh, Westbrook gets bought out by the Jazz. He's now a clipper. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think this really does anything. I've I've got a take on this. When he was on the Lakers, he was making $47 million a year. So you're looking at that contract. You can't ignore that. So you're expecting a guy making almost $50 million to be that number one or two option, to put up crazy numbers, to be one of the guys to take your team to a winning record, take your team to a deep playoff run. He wasn't that guy. He's not that guy anymore. He's not the same guy he was when he signed the contract even. So that's why it was hard to ignore for Lakers fans. Here's the thing. The Jazz bought him out. The Clippers are signing him, obviously not for $47 million. He's going to be making a lot less. If he could just embrace that role of either being the energy guy, if they start him, then sure, but like being that energy guy off the bench, leading the second unit, if he can embrace that role, I think he could help them, or even a starting role, but his mindset has to change. He still thinks he's the number one option. I know he does. He still thinks he's the number one option on a good team, and I hate to say it, he's just not. He can be a good player. He can be a great contributing player to a winning team. I really do think so, but he has to change his mindset and kind of, this is cliche, but like buy in. Yeah, no, I, 100%. That's what I was going to say. He's a, I mean, he's going to be a he can be a cancer to them or he can help them, but I see it more leaning towards a cancer. Like you put these three guys together, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, that doesn't mix well. Like, like yeah. that, that's not going to mix well. And the other thing is that people aren't realizing is that taking Terrence Mann out of the lineup for Russell Westbrook is a bad idea. Terrence Mann is a lot more influential and more important to their what the Clippers are trying to do than Russell yeah. Westbrook is. I think Russell Westbrook has to come off the bench again in LA for the Clippers if he wants to make a good impact. I think that's the best, I think that's the best place for him. I mean, I think in the long term it would be. There were reports saying that 
eventually they plan to start him. And in He'll my start. mind, I'm like, well, didn't they just do this? Didn't they just get a washed-up all-star point guard who can't shoot in John Wall and then trade him halfway through his first season? They just did this. I know Westbrook's like a little bit of a step up from John Wall. Same principle, though. Mm-hmm. Pacey guy who can't – Pacey guy, I'm playing FIFA. <laughs> Fast mm-hmm. guy who can't shoot, you know, runs the break really well, but like has that mindset of like, screw it, I, I can take you off the dribble whenever I want to, and he can't. And he can't space the floor. They just did this. So I – I don't know the reasoning behind this. Maybe we'll eat our words and they make a deep playoff run, but uh, I don't. I don't see him playing more than twenty-five minutes a game for them in the playoffs, if that. I think he will because there had to have been a deal where he says, "If I'm going to the Clippers, yeah. I get to start and I get to play X amount of minutes." Because and you know, I don't think he yeah. goes to the Clippers taking a bench roll. There's no way. There's no and way. You know Paul, he you had know Paul George vouched for him. You yep. know Paul George vouched for him. Yeah, that's exactly what it was back from the OKC days, and that didn't work out either. Yeah, no, and people are, like, hammering the Clippers to win the title right now. I think they're, like, plus a 1,000 to win it or whatever. I don't know how on earth you can trust this team. Like, the names look good on paper, but come yeah. a playoff series and a health bet, why would you take the Clippers? Man, if this if this was a team back in 2015, 2017, <laughs> but 2023, you just can't trust them. Kawhi hadn't been able to stay healthy. Paul George has been in and out. Russell Westbrook, you know, we saw what he did with the Lakers. It's just There's just too many variables. There really is too many variables. And they gave – I like what they did at the deadline, but, like, losing Luke Kennard was a big piece. I think Eric Gordon's a great pickup. I think Bones Highland is kind of like a very hit or miss guy. Like, he can either help you a lot or hurt you a lot. There's not much yeah. in between. Yeah, and then I, mean, Plumlee, I think, think Plumley's a good pickup. Yeah, Plumley's a good pickup, but Bones Highland could be a heat check guy for him. If they, if, that's yeah. kind of what they needed off the bench. And you want that yeah. in the playoffs. Bones Highland could go off for 21 points randomly in a playoff game. Um, yeah. Or he could hurt you and kind of like, you know – four years ago Jordan Clarkson yeah no that's very <laughs> fair I think the Clippers did a decent job of like because they have like 11 12 guys that really should have been in the rotation before the deadline they consolidated a little bit but losing Reggie Jackson I feel like was like really you're gonna lose Reggie Jackson for what to get Russell Westbrook really yeah I know they got plumbly out of that deal but like I don't know uh moving back or talking about another buyout guy Kevin Love Kevin Love going to the heat was kind of weird and I'll t- touch on this real quick about Kevin Love is that I wanted him to go to Golden State so bad. There was one, oh, that would have been so was, much fun. There was one like aggregated tweet where it was like, watch out, Kevin Love to Golden State or whatever. I wanted that so bad because every single time I watch any single player in the NBA, I'm like, oh, how good would he be on Golden State? Every yeah. single player hits their max potential on that Golden State roster. It's kind of yeah. like the Spurs. Unless your name's James oh, Wiseman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's kind of, it's kind of like the Spurs back, like when the Spurs yeah. were at their peak. If a player wasn't playing well in San Antonio, he wasn't going to play well anywhere else. It was kind of Wait. like your last hope. And also, like kind of in football, a little bit like the Patriots model too. Yeah, yeah. And you saw what happened with the Spurs. I mean, they got guys like Boris Diaw, Gary Neal, Tiago Splitter. Like all Steven these guys Jackson were playing. Jackson was balling for them. They were playing like major roles on deep playoff runs, and they would not have done that on other teams. Yeah, the Kevin Love thing, if you're the Cavs, I know he'd kind of fallen out of the rotation. He got hurt. He was playing well at the beginning of the year, and now you're losing him to a team you could see in the playoffs? Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking is, I know you can't, like, if you're buying a guy out, I know they did the right thing. He's been with the organization for so many years. But that really sucks for him to go to, like, a conference rival like that, like a team you might see in the playoffs, because he's going to play a major role for the Heat. Another place I really wanted to see him go was Dallas. I think it would have been awesome seeing him in Dallas with Luka, Kyrie. And, oh, that would uh, be cool. 
I think that would have been such a great spot for him. But, but yeah, I wanted would, to see him go to the Western Conference. Like the, the Miami yeah. Heat, the Miami Heat are going to be annoying to play against in the first round of the playoffs. But you're not worried about the Miami Heat winning the finals. They're just going to be a team you want to avoid in the first round. But the second round, you're like, we'll beat these guys. The thing with Kevin Love is, though, he's never been known for his stellar defense, other than that one Curry possession in the finals. But he's never been known for his stellar defense. The Heat are so good defensively that it's not going to hurt them. If he went somewhere sure. like Dallas, like da- Dallas would really – they are already give up Finney Smith and a lot of these guys in the Kyrie trade. Having Luka, Kyrie, and Kevin Love on the court at the same time, that's three guys that can't really defend. So True. that would have been pretty interesting. But I don't know. I think I think it'll fit in with the Heat. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, next thing I want to hit on, uh, Zion. I don't know if we'll ever see Zion again. Ring, ring the alarm bell, dude. It, it's, it's time. The alarm bells are going off. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I was listening. I don't know if you listened to Rasil and Simmons on Sunday or whatever, but I like, I'll just yeah, copy exactly what Rasil said. This is the last chance for Zion. After, after this, after this, if there's a weird little toe injury that he misses four months for, it's over. It's over. It's reached its point of no coming back where we've had as much patience as we can trying to get him in games, trying to wait for him to be healthy. At some point, you got to play games. The thing is, there's never – that's true, and I agree. The thing is, there's never going to be a shortage of teams willing to take a risk on him. Oh, my gosh. I would do anything for the Hornets to take a risk on him. Yeah, exactly. So even if he's hurt, he's on that massive contract right now, there's still going to be teams that are like, man, when this guy played, he was a literal all-star starter, 28 – eight a game you know he's been so good when he's been able to play but their ability is such an underrated part of being in the nba and being a superstar i'm not saying you can you have to give up on him but man if you're the pelicans you got to be kind of like side-eyeing him a little bit like really like again oh no not side-eyeing you're just like what what the hell is going on like taking him by the shoulders (laughs) you just signed this i mean he just signed this massive 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 extension He's got to yeah. play basketball. And when this Pelicans team is healthy, they've got to do something about the C.J. McCollum thing. And eventually they need to get a real point guard, but that's kind of secondary right now. If this team yeah. is healthy and they play multiple games together, they close the season well, they're going to be a very hard out in the playoffs. And we saw them last year. The only worry I have, so we talked about Durant seamlessly sliding into any situation. We really, really have not seen C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion all play together for an extended period of time. What if it doesn't work? There's a good chance Zion comes back and goes insane in the playoffs, and we all eat our words, then sure, fine. But we haven't seen this team work together, really. Zion's played really well when Ingram's been out, and the run last year they had was without Zion. What if it doesn't work? But if Zion's healthy, uh, it's a top-five guy for me who I want in the playoffs because, you know, you kind of want to... We haven't seen him in the playoffs, though. We haven't seen him in the playoffs. And I'm not worried about that because... He's so physically imposing in the playoffs, and that matters so much in the playoffs. Like you're, you can get cold in the playoffs, but Zion's still gonna score. He's still gonna shoot seventy percent from the field and score twenty-five and ten in the playoffs. Like that's just what it's going to be, no matter what. I don't think the playoffs dictate or change his game whatsoever. He's so hard to guard and so explosive. It's just he can't stay healthy. And yeah. I, like if they're in the playoffs. I would I would throw a sprinkle on them to win, to win the West if they're healthy if they're healthy maybe yeah maybe he's just a matchup nightmare because if you think about the West who's really going to guard him he's too quick for like a like a DeAndre Draymond or a, or a Jokic to guard him yeah I mean Draymond I guess like an Aaron Gordon would have trouble with him though he's too small 
the thing is, he's too quick for these bigger guys, and he's too strong for the smaller guys, like the, the face-up fours that guard him. So it's a matchup nightmare. I don't know. It would be interesting to see how they used him in the playoffs, if they would play him with Valanciunas a lot. I feel like at the end of games, it would be more of like a Zion play in the small ball five kind of thing. It would have mm-hmm. to be. Kind of like the Warriors do with Draymond. Um, all right, enough about Zion. Let's talk about the second half of the NBA season. It's kind of like oh, the yeah. last kind of like the last quarter-ish of the NBA season, like a third yep. or whatever. Anyhow, after the All-Star break, we usually see one team that gets hot right after the All-Star break, kind of rolls in, wins a ton of games in a row, and now they're all of a sudden like second or third in the conference, or they were like dead in the water, and now they're you know in the playoff race. Who is going to be your second-half surprise going into this second half of the NBA season? I've got a sleeper for you that I think is going to really win some games this last third of the year and make their way into the playoffs. How about Oklahoma City? How about Oklahoma City Thunder, Carter? They are currently sitting at 10th in the West right now. They're 28 and 29. But the second place team is Memphis with 35 and then the Kings with 32 wins. They're literally four games out of the third place. You're telling me they, they can't go on a little run here? They've been playing so well lately. And I'll eat my words on the Lamelo Shea thing we did that went viral on TikTok. Man, is he good, and man, is he fun to watch. They're legitimately winning games. So that's my sleeper team. I think they could literally, I think they could easily sneak into the top six and avoid the playing tournament. If they if they go, uh, I don't know, 13 and 7 in their last 20, I think that's good enough for the sixth seed. What do you think? I don't hate that because this is going to be the first year we actually get to see Shea Gill just not get sat for the last 15 games. I think. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. He, I don't, I don't hate that at all, but. I mean, I don't think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs necessarily. No, but I really you, it, do. I do if, think they'll make it. If you're in the first round of the playoffs and you're one of the top, you know, three seeds or whatever, you're you're excited to play Oklahoma City. Oh yeah, it's a four it's a four one series if Oklahoma City gets in the playoffs, and we all know that. But mm-hmm. I still think they're going to make a run because everybody had them bottom of the league again this year. They've really surprised some people. Do you have, do you have one in mind? This one, I have no statistical backing on it at all. At all. And I would never in my life bet real money on this team to do anything. I hate this team, but confidence, you know, players buying in matters so much in this league. And the news came out today that Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan is out in Atlanta. They're going to bring in whoever Trey Young and them want in Atlanta. Atlanta's going to go off for like. 10 straight wins or whatever, they're going to roll in the second half of the season and lose in the first round of the playoffs. But the, I think this after the All-Star break, after getting a new coach, they're going to buy in and they're going to ball out. They have some dudes on that Atlanta roster. Like, it does, like, they don't play well together And since Nate McMillan's been there this season. But when these guys all buy in and they start playing well, well together, Trey starts passing the ball more, these guys, they're going to win like eight games in a row randomly and you're going to yeah. be you're going to get that notification on Bleacher Report and then you're going to like look at the NBA standings one day one morning when you're sitting on the toilet and you're like what the crap like the the Hawks yeah. are fifth? I thought they were like yeah. ninth. What do you mean Trey Young's averaging 35 and 15 over the last two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, kind of yeah. like remember DeMar DeRozan last year. DeMar DeRozan yeah. randomly started playing like Wilt Chamberlain. We're just going to see that Trey Young stat this year where Trey Young, he's averaging 35 and 12 in his last yeah eight games or whatever yeah and the hawks i've heard a couple people talk about this on different podcasts i saw it on twitter one time the hawks starting five as a five-man lineup is like top three in the league for any five-man lineup the lineup of trey young Dejounte murray deandre hunter john collins clint capella 
that lineup's like one of the most efficient lineups in the league, and I never would have guessed that. So come playoff time, if those guys are playing 35, 40 minutes together, and they, like you said, buy in, they've got a couple dudes off the bench. If Bogdanovich gets hot, Okongu is a great piece off the bench. They've got some guys. Like yeah. They could give a team some trouble. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I know Trey Young's like one of the worst defenders in the league, but defensively, if these guys buy in, that's one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Like, player yep. by player, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Ayton, Clint Capella, like, you could not – get much better players than your starting five defensively unless you're the Brooklyn Nets who have the best defensive wings in the league for some reason yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much I don't know I think you're right I mean the east the east is pretty jam-packed together too not as much as the west but the Hawks could get in if the Hawks get in the play-in tournament I see them getting in the actual playoffs I see them winning a game or two because they're one of these teams is going to fall I I mean I think the Nets are going to end up in a play-in spot because the really are, they're they're the two games above 500 dude yeah, but the thing is the Heat are in a play-in spot right now, and they're only two games back. Yeah, that's true. And then I also think that or the Knicks might fall off a little bit. One of those two teams between Brooklyn or New York is going to fall off a little bit, going to that play-in spot. I think Miami jumps up there too. Yeah. But also, Philadelphia's not going to be a play-in team, but they're going to drop some games here too because, one, I don't know – I. One, you got to watch out for Embiid's health, but two, they do have the toughest schedule going yeah. uh, closing the end of the season. They do. They do have the toughest schedule right now. But you talk about Atlanta. Atlanta's got the third toughest schedule. Yeah, but man, this like the NBA. Like we saw what happened. Steve Nash gets fired. Jacques Vaughn comes in. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. Who the coach is? It truly does not matter who the coach is. It's just whether they like the guy and they're willing to buy into what he says. Then they're like, okay, yeah, cool. Steve Nash leaves. Jacques Vaughn comes in. All of a sudden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant can play together, and they're never yep. getting hurt. They're not load managing. They're just playing great together, and they're winning a bunch of games. I don't know how much stock you want to put into this, but um, L.A. Clippers, second toughest schedule left. Phoenix Suns, sixth toughest schedule left. Dallas Mavericks, easiest schedule left. New Orleans, third easiest schedule left. So Just just saying. The Pelicans, they just they just have to get healthy. If they get healthy, I'm, I'm not discounting the Pelicans could make a nice run here in the second half of the season. Dallas is going to be great in the second half of the season just because Kyrie is bought in momentarily it's just a ticking time bomb when he erupts and decides that he's gonna play in the xfl all of a sudden they have to pray that there's no real adversity in the playoffs like what if they go down what if they're up 2-1 and then something happens somebody says something or Kyrie just posts something on his instagram story and just implodes the whole series oh my god it's a ticking time bomb i don't know if it makes it through the whole season with Kyrie irving um let's see here that's kind of it for second half surprises for me really like I'm sure Boston's going to continue to do well. I'm sure that the Bucks are going to win games, even though guys are in and out of the lineup. I am a little worried about Milwaukee, though. Yeah, we can touch on this real quick. Chris Milton has yet to come back as himself. Like He has not played himself. I don't think he's played over 25 minutes yet in a game since he's been back. Although, Drew Holiday's taking a step up this year. Mm-hmm. Drew Holiday is cooking guys and locking up on defense. like that. He ripped Derek White the other night just at the end of the game. I don't know. I'm not too worried about the Bucks. They've got guys around them who are experienced, like the Lopez's, the Pat Contents, even the Grayson Allens. They've got guys with experience. And I think Chris Middleton will round in the form. I think that team knows each other well enough. They've been through enough playoff games together. I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, I'm not too worried about them either, but the injuries it, are It's something to up. like, yeah, put a little star beside it. It's, yeah. some, it's something to, to peek I, at every I, now and I, then. I, I've put it in the tickler file for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I promised the people we wouldn't do this continuously, but we have to. We have to. We have uh, to. Quick Hornets minute. I'm going to start the clock. We hit 60 seconds. 60 Each. seconds. 
Nope. Oh. 60 seconds. I'm going to start a timer right now. We get 60 okay. seconds to talk about the Hornets starting now. All right, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I thought they could have gotten more for Jalen McDaniels. If they really want to trade him for that little, why not just re-sign him? They traded him for more second-round picks just to try to get another Jalen McDaniels. Give me a break. They could have paid him not that much money. Also, I don't know why we didn't go after Matisse Thibel. Why not just do Matisse Thibel for Jalen McDaniels straight up? Like, yep. He's a decent piece. He could turn in well. Like, he could turn out very well. Hornets need defense. Also, play the young guys. We don't have good enough young guys to what really matters to develop. Like Bryce McGowan's yep. is a poor man's Devontae Graham in my eyes. Like, yep. Is he actually going to pan out to anything? I don't know. And plus, the Plumlee trade, I know we got Reggie Jackson, bought him out instantly, got a second-round pick. I'm glad about that because they're giving starting minutes to Mark Williams and backup minutes to Nick Richards. Plumley was never going to re-sign. That was a good move. Also, I want Gordon Hayward off this team immediately. And James Booknight, I don't even know. I, I, I don't Get him know out. about him. He's, he's done. Bench LaMelo. Don't let LaMelo play a minute the rest of the year. Tank for Wimbanyama. We're coming back. And that was the Hornets minute. That was nice. Right on the money. Yeah, right on the go. money. 60 seconds. Uh, but, all right, do you want to transition to college basketball real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, real quick on college basketball. Uh, do we want to start off talking about the futures, or do you want to talk about like Carolina and all that? Oh, I've got the hat on. Let's just get right into it. They're they're god awful. It's it's honestly unbelievable. Coming into the year, who would have thought they're going to be the only preseason number one team to miss the tournament? Are you, people, are you kidding people me? People give him crap all the time, but shout out Marty Mush at Barstool. He called. I, that was a shot in the dark. He would have said that any year. He he, he just hates it. UNC. Give me he a break. He called it. I. Give credit oh my where credit's God. due. If I said that, I would want the credit. So I'm going to give the credit. It's just, I'm I, not giving any credit. That dude's mm. – whatever. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go into that. That was a shot in the dark. Whatever, though. I got to say, watching the NC State game, though, frustrating. Carolina had chances to extend the lead to six, seven points. They kept turning it over and giving up easy buckets. They, I mean, they didn't blow it, but they could have extended the lead. And then once it was tied with, like, what, four minutes left, State goes on this insane run. That was it. And that might have been the season. That legitimately might have been the season. That was one of Carolina's best chances to win a tough game. Because they're not going to beat Virginia. They're not going to beat Virginia. So they I have like, to make I some like, noise. I like what you're saying right there. Yeah, they're, they're not going to beat Virginia. I mean, there's they no can, way to beat Virginia. They can beat Virginia. Like, the ACC is so beatable right now. The number one team in the ACC right now is Pittsburgh. And yeah. Pittsburgh is currently losing to Georgia Tech right now as, we, as we're recording. And Georgia Tech they don't is scare the second – Second to worst team. Like, yeah, I understand they don't scare you, but Virginia only won by three to a two and twelve in conference Notre Dame team. Like at yeah, home, that's true. They can that's true. they can easily easily lose these games. Carolina can get hot in a game, and like we look at all the bracketology stuff. Carolina is still in like the first four out or next four out and everything, which makes no sense to me if you have zero quad one wins. But I guess they don't have any quad four losses, technically. All of it is so stupid. Like, it's just stupid. Yeah. Carolina, when you watch them, they are not a tournament team. They're not. They're not. As a as a uh, media personality here on the Carter cast, I, I will not be biased in this. If you look at Carolina's resume, the only reason they're even getting talked about as being in the tournament is because they're North Carolina. It's because what they did last year. It's because of the historical yeah. program. Exactly. So the people with you know doing the brackets are like, man, if they get in, they're going to make another run. Or, man – these TV ratings are going to be a hell of a lot higher if Carolina's in, you know? Question. Answer. Let's say Carolina gets in. Okay. Would you? How would you feel if they just lose in Dayton in the play-in? That's fine, honestly, <laughs> at this point. Because <laughs> if, if, if the rest of the season goes how I think it is and they still get in, they don't deserve to be there. 
The so. thing is, I like Carolina can easily they'll beat Duke. They always beat Duke. They, I mean, they're oh yeah, Carolina they'll definitely yeah, of that, course, Carolina yeah. doesn't beat Duke. But the thing is, they have two chances at really good wins. They play yeah. Notre Dame, FSU. If they lose either the Notre Dame or FSU game, clock it, end it, it's over. They have to make a run to the ACC title game for them to even be considered in the tournament. If you lose either of those two games, overwash, it's over. And you're probably listening to this Wednesday morning. Carolina plays at Notre Dame on Wednesday night. If, must if win. They, if they lose tomorrow night, it's over. Every game's basically a must win. They can maybe afford a loss to UVA, but... They could afford a loss to UVA or Duke, I think. But they have to win one of those, but they could afford a loss to either one of those. And then you've got to, no matter what happens, even if they go 4-0 right now, even if they close the season 4-0, they have to win Wednesday at the ACC tournament. They, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. We saw this happen with Wake Forest last year. Yep. Wake Forest closed the season very well, got some big wins at the end, put themselves in a great spot, and then lose to a freaking like 11 or 12 seed Boston College last year yeah. and ended their tournament hopes. You have to win that first game no matter what. I think so too. And, oh man, I hate saying this, but they're – if they lose a couple of these next few games, their best path will have to be winning the ACC tournament, and you just can't put all your stock in that. You just can't. Yeah. If they if they go two and two, it's championship run, and they got to be able to. They have to go be able to go against Virginia and Miami and Duke. Kind of want got to get as many quad one wins on your way, and at best you can lose in the title game, but otherwise, you got to win the title. And this is really just reminiscent of the 2020 year before, right before COVID canceled everything, where Carolina was awful with that year with Cole Anthony, um, and everybody was like, "Man, they won their first ACC tournament game! Like they're about to make a run and win the whole thing!" And then they're getting into the NCAA tournament; they're going to win a couple games. Like everybody was just grasping at straws. And then the night before the tournament gets canceled, they get their ass kicked by Syracuse. So mm-hmm. it, it really, like, it, it feels like that where fans are grasping at straws and media guys are like. Well, if they just make a run in the ACC tournament, like we know they will. No, you don't know that. So, because that, that's a great point you bring up. This Carolina season, I don't know how it feels from a Carolina fan's perspective, kind of from the outside looking in. <laughs> it, feels, it feels just like the perfect mix of last year and, uh, and 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, after beating Duke in the Final Four, this is kind of just uh, icing on the cake. No, this, this year has really felt – like last year, I was so tuned in. Even when they were losing, I was just so tuned in last year. And then the tournament run, like, I was just so in tune. This year, it's just kind of disappointing. Like, I tuned in. I, I watched the games, and I'm just like, man, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, going over to the other side, Duke here. Uh, Duke looks fine. Duke they looks do. fine. They, I mean, they're they're not doing bad. They're winning the games they should. They're. I mean, they should have maybe won. I mean, the the Virginia game, like. I'm not going to go oh, on a rant about here because that was so long ago. But the, the Virginia game, highway robbery, and ACC, ACC, like referees need to be held accountable at some point because I understand if you're a ref and, look, they're going to miss calls. That's fine. I yeah. get it. You miss calls. Even at the end of the game, it's like if it's a live call you miss, that's fine. The fact they went to the replay monitor and overturned something they weren't even allowed to overturn. And, and gave the wrong explanation. Give wrong explanation everything. Yeah. And also the fact that Virginia is a legal gambling state, and Virginia was a six-point favorite, and they covered in overtime 69-62, one by seven. Look, like I know I'm, I'm I don't care if people sports bet, go for it. That's fun. I like it. I like it. The rest ha- like 
there needs to be extensive investigations on the refs' sports betting accounts. Like, the they should kinda... not. They like. I don't care if Calvin Ridley's betting on freaking women's tennis. Like, that does not affect anything. Right. These refs are like. You have to have to keep them on on their toes, man. Like they should be investigated for that. Even if you don't think, even if you don't know, like you know, whenever like DK Metcalf puts up a video yeah. of him that's clearly fake, and then he gets drug tested, like. You kind of have to do that with these refs betting accounts yeah. now for how accessible sports betting is. Like they need to be investigated thoroughly and regularly. The refs uh, got a little square pick there, taking UVA minus six over Duke, huh? No, no, Duke was Duke plus six a square <laughs> pick. Duke plus six. You see Duke getting six points against anybody, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's like the Yankees as an underdog. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fair. Um, what's Duke gonna do the rest of the year? Are they gonna make any noise in the ACC tournament? What are you expecting? They will either make noise in one of the tournaments. I, th- I think they get hot. I think they're kind of hitting their stride a little bit. Um, er, er, like, it it's just so frustrating watching Duke this year because you see it. Like, you see the potential that's there. And for yeah. some reason, it's just not clicking. It's not all the way there. Like, yeah, they're winning games. They're getting by. But you see the potential in guys like Lively and Whitehead and even Filipowski to some degree, even though he's been good this year. Like, you see the, the potential in them. It should be a higher level. They should be a, like a 3-4 seed this year with the talent they have. Imagine how I feel. I've seen the potential of the same damn team from the tournament <laughs> last year, and I have to watch them go 16-11 and lose to NC State. Oh, my God. NC State's the best team in North Carolina. There's no okay, that's my, that's, that's my next question. ACC tournament time. You had some strong opinions about this before the show. Who are you taking and why? Oh, I'm taking North Carolina State. There's no debate in my mind. I am taking NC State. I was high on them before the season. I have the receipts. I have the clip yeah, yeah. that I said. my The two teams I want in the ACC tournament, I don't want to face if I'm a Duke fan, and that I think are going to win this tournament are Miami and NC State. And I yep. still feel the same way come a week from March. I am two weeks away from the tournament. This NC State team is real, man. Like, they are legit. I've been saying it all year. They were picked 12th to win the ACC. and That was a little ridiculous, yeah. They are arguably the second-best team in this conference, second or third-best team. And I'll just get right into it. My college basketball futures, it's not like my – like, I love it. I really do love it just because how crazy the odds are. But I'll pull it up real quick. NC State to make the Final Four. Oh, man is not the most ridiculous thing in the world considering how bad college basketball is this year. What Obviously, is that? Plus 25,000? No. No. <laughs> NC State to reach the final ranked. NC State to reach the final four is plus 5500. This team is just built for the tournament. Jarkel Joyner and Traquavion Smith, two guard, guard combo always 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 matters in March Madness. Yep. They have a good enough they have a good enough big man at DJ Burns who will get you by, get the rebounds you need. But you need the two guards to set you apart in the tournament. They, they can get yeah. hot. They are so confident right now. If you watch that Carolina game, those dudes are balling. Those, That's I mean, the they, thing, though. They, like, you know in Space Jam when they seal the or the juice or whatever? Like, yep. That's basically what NC State guards did with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. They took yeah. all their confidence, and it's in NC State's pockets now. And I'm terrified as a Duke fan to go against them in, Mar- in the ACC tournament. We got to play them next week, and I don't. I'm not looking forward to that. They're they're good, man. I like. I don't understand. That's why I don't. Another thing why I don't understand bracketology is that 
they're like an eight nine seed right now. Like an eight nine seed that makes no sense. Why are they like talked about the same level as Carolina or whatever? They're the twentieth ranked team in the country. They should be a five six seed. Uh, they're not ranked anymore, I don't believe, after that loss to Syracuse. But uh Oh, they're probably not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not. Carolina, but um yeah. the the thing with state, let's not act like like yes, I get what you're saying. Let's not act like their two guards, Joiner and Terquavion Smith, could come out and shoot six for twenty three and they get bounced first game. That could also happen. Like just I don't I'm, know. I'm saying, just saying, just saying. That could easily happen. Just like Carolina last year. If Caleb Love and oh, RJ yeah. Davis come out and shoot six for twenty three in their first round, they're gone. Marquette, they're done. Uh, maybe not Marquette. Uh, I mean, they're pretty bad. <laughs> Maybe Baylor. We'll say Baylor. Everybody in that path was bad. They were given an easy path. Oh, please, please. In the NCAA please. I mean, you get 15-seed St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. Come on, give me a break. But anyhow, they can – like, if I'm going to – and that's the other thing about this March Madness is, look, 1 through 10, there's really not a big difference in these teams. No. It's, it's who can get hot, who has the best guards, and who has the best coaches. Coaching, I am concerned about with Kevin Keats. I, I'm not 100 – obviously, I'll never be 100% convinced with Kevin Keats until he really, really shows me something. He's shown us something this year, though. He really has yeah. shown us something this year because he was on the hottest of hot seats, and they're balling right now. Well, if they just had Manny Bates, then they would have been in the tournament last year. Um, the thing with March Madness, though, Carter, we're gonna, we talked about this before we mentioned it. We're going to see a lot of weird spreads. We're going to see an 11 favored. Mm-hmm. We're going to see two-point spreads between all there these different be, seeds. There will be one 12. There will be at least one to two 12 seeds that are favored. And Joe Sixpack's going to go, why is an 11 seed favored? I'm going to take the, the higher seed and put all my money on it. I'm telling you, this year you really have to dig deep and use your research and really look into some of these games because seeding doesn't matter as much as it has in years past. It just doesn't. And also, it's such a coin flip. Like, like yeah, like, it can be square, like, whatever. <laughs> Besides, honestly, like, the the 215 games, they should be fine. The 116 games should be fine. The 314, the 314 games is where you're like, okay, well, like, all these three te- three seed teams could easily lose in the first round. Yeah. If they get up, go up against a hot team that won, like, the MEAC. I, yeah, because all these three seeds are going to have like a couple of those bad losses on the schedule that you're going to look at and be like, wow, what if they do this again? I was like, why, why were they close against Coppin State? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, it's, it's going to be an insane tournament. The other thing I want to mention, this is like my favorite one. Um, I love Miami to make the Final Four plus 1,100. 11-1 for Miami. They're the best strong team guard in the play. ACC. I'm watching them right now. Yeah, they're play, they're playing at Virginia Tech. They were a dog in this game, and they're kind of handling Virginia Tech right now. I hope that kind of reverse jinxes it a little bit. But and then they're also I think they're fifty five to one also to win the national title. No, they're fifty to one now to win the national title. Yeah. It's gone down. I love that. I, I love that. This they're team good, is dude. primed to get hot. Jim Laranega's been to the Final Four before with George Mason. They're a legit team. Miami, I, that's my favorite future going into March right now. I would take it right now because I think they'll get hot in the NCAA tournament and make a run, or the yeah. ACC tournament and make a run, and then their seeding will get higher. I think they, I really think they could get, end up getting the two seed in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, the teams keep losing near the top like they have been. I don't, I don't hate that at all. I think Miami's definitely could be argued as the best team in the ACC this year, and I think it could definitely be argued they'll be the ACC team to make the deepest tournament run. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we should probably finish up talking about the ACC real quick. Anything else in college basketball? Um, that's all I got right now, honestly. Yeah, they have Houston right now as the favorite. 
No. no. Oh, absolutely Houston, not. Houston is primed for a second-round upset. It's a Saturday afternoon. Everyone's checking their phones. You're out and about if you're not watching the games like I am. You're out and about, and you're like, oh, my gosh, the one seed, my bracket's busted. Joe Schmo yeah. with his bracket had Houston in the Final Four. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, Middle Tennessee State. What the heck? Yeah, exactly. Some stupid thing like that. Um, but, yeah, man, this college, college basketball is about to get wild. I'm so it excited is. for conference tournament week. Uh, I'm very sad I will not be in attendance in Vegas for the WAC Hoops tournament for my sweet, sweet Utah Valley Wolverines. I'm praying. I'll be watching every game on my phone while I'm in Greensboro. I'm praying they make the tournament because that team can make a second weekend run. I, I fully believe it. They are primed for March Madness. And uh, I'm so excited to go go to Greensboro. I, I can't wait. I'll be in Greensboro, uh, get there Wednesday morning. I cannot wait. You're going to shout obscenities at uh, Jim Beheim? I, I already looked at my tickets. I'm already, I've already got it scoped out which tickets I have to buy for whenever Syracuse plays. So I'm waiting to find out the seating <laughs> when Syracuse ends up. Syracuse kind of has a tough schedule closing out, so I think they'll be at the Wednesday noon game. So I think I yeah. should be good to get those tickets sooner rather than later. But, I mean, Syracuse isn't going to change ticket prices. It's a matter of yeah. Carolina schools. Big facts right there, Carter. Big facts. I'm excited. Greensboro's back. Oh, man, I can't wait to get back there. But thanks for listening. Uh, next week, we, uh, we're going to do an ACC tournament preview. It'll be a shorter show. It'll be either a tournament preview or a draft. I haven't decided yet. We'll have a guest on for that one. I'm excited for that. Um let us know if you whatever you want. We, it's going to be an yeah. ACC tournament draft where you pick like one player in history, one game, one coach, and then like one miscellaneous thing. Uh, or we'll just do an ACC tournament preview. But we, we do have a guest plan for that one next week. That'll be probably be posted Monday before the tournament. We'll be back next week, talk a little basketball once we get these games rolling again after the All-Star break. Uh, Connor, thanks again for coming on. Make sure to Pleasure. check out Carter, CarterCast.com. Posted a blog yesterday. I, I, that was a great troll blog. Great troll blog. Of course, yeah. I mean, there's no way Carolina wins any more games this year. I mean, you called it. I got people in the Reddit all riled up. But every non-Carolina fan loved the blog. So um, check out CarterCast.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time.